Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So how can we make this case? Well, one way we can do it is to point out to people that there's no essential difference between the embryos you once were and the adults you are today that would justify killing you at that earlier stage. Arguments cannot be religious or non-religious. Arguments can either be valid or invalid, or sound or unsound. The substance view is the idea that from when you come into existence of fertilization until you die naturally, you are the same individual at every point in your life. So if it is wrong to kill you now, it was wrong to kill you then. What resources are there available for, uh, for women in need? Welcome to Pro-Life Thinking, a podcast that trains you how to defend the pro-life position effectively and persuasively. I'm your host, Clinton Wilcox, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Apodaca. How are you doing uh, this morning, Nathan? Well, pretty good, considering that most of San Diego County is in blackout right now because of fires, we're having high winds, and back of lockdown. So, yeah, pretty good all the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds like fun. We'll get to our discussion in just a moment. I do have a few things to mention real quick before we get into the meat of it. Uh, First of all, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine named uh, Maria Wallace wanted me to give her a shout out on my podcast. And I thought, yeah, might as well. Not only because she's a friend, but also because I can use it to transition into talking about a couple things we have going on. For one thing, I I am working on getting some, some merchandise for the pro-life thinking podcast. And currently I have working, I'm working on a a t-shirt and a hoodie. So as soon as I get those made up, she's actually going to be modeling those for me because let's face it, she's a lot easier on the eyes than I am. So, uh, so she's graciously uh, agreed to be our, our model for the clothes that we're going to be creating here. But also we've started a Patreon. If you, if you enjoy the content that we, that we bring to you when you feel that it's beneficial and uh, it can benefit uh, the, the people who listen to it, we would love to have you join us as financial supporters. You can always uh, give through the Life Training Institute website. And if you do that, your donations would be tax deductible. But we also have a Patreon account set up. If you'd like some perks to go along with your donations, donations. They're not tax deductible because the podcast itself is not a nonprofit, but we do have some pretty cool perks that, that we're, uh, that we're offering. You can get one-on-one training with me. If you, uh, if you want to help improve your confidence in talking to pro-choice people, I can role play a pro-choice person and you can get some practice that way, or you can get some feedback on something that you're working on that you're trying to publish, those kinds of things. You can get some, some training there. You can also get early access to some of the projects that we, that we may be working on, uh, including some uh, videos that we're going to be producing in the future, things like that. Uh, Also, I wanted to bring up that we do an audio-only podcast as well. The broadcast that we do here on YouTube, I, I extract the audio from that and put it on the audio podcast. But if you want to get the most out of Pro Life Thinking, it would actually behoove you to listen to our audio-only podcast as well, because we occasionally do 
interviews and things that are only available in the podcast. For example, we recently interviewed Hendrik van der Breggen, uh, a recently retired philosopher from from Canada who published a book, and we had him on our on our podcast to uh, to do an interview. It didn't work out where we could have him on the uh, the video broadcast on YouTube, so we ended up just doing an audio interview with him. And the interview we did with him actually went up this past Friday, so you can listen to that uh, that interview if you go to iTunes and look up our podcast, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website, which is blogtalkradio.com slash prolife thinking. All right, so now to the meat of the discussion. The guests that we have joining us today are Emily and Nathan Burning. Nathan and Emily Burning co-founded the pro-life nonprofit Let Them Live, which has saved over 60 babies from abortion since February of last year. Let Them Live provides emotional and financial support to abortion-minded moms, helping them choose life instead. Nathan grew up in Fort Wayne and attended Homestead High School. Emily grew up in Colorado, and the two of them met through pro-life work. Nathan and Emily now live full-time in Fort Wayne and just celebrated their second wedding anniversary. Emily and Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hi. Thanks for having us. I think all the congratulations are in order on your second anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you. I yeah. told Nathan that it feels like 10 since we work together and we yeah. basically spend all of our time <laughs> together. So it, it uh, we, we get a, a lot of good married time together. So. COVID's basically been like, you know. 11 many years so far. So. <laughs> right. Well, we're definitely in favor of, uh, of marriages and, and babies here on this podcast. So congratulations there. We are, of course, uh, recording this interview live. So if you're listening in, you can, of course, uh, comment and we'll post your comments up here on the video. And if you have any questions for Emily and Nathan, you can also post those in the comments and we'll get those asked of our guests as well. Nathan, you set up the interview, so I'll go ahead and uh, pass the baton over to you and let you take the lead here. Right. Well, I guess I should say that, uh, Nathan, you have the previous distinction of being the other, only other Nathan that we've had on the podcast. And then you guys are also the first married couple we've had on the podcast. So you guys feel careful for two reasons. So just to get right off the bat, what is Let Them Live? What exactly does Let Them Live do and why did you guys start it up? Well, you know, Let Them Live kind of started with us financially supporting a single mom uh, a few years ago. Before that, it was actually just kind of an umbrella for us to do pro-life work, uh, pro-life activism and to train pro-life students. Um, but it kind of transformed when we, we actually wrote a check for $1,200 to a mom and she canceled her abortion. And that was something that Emily and I did out of our personal bank account. And after we did that, we were like, okay, is this something that we could keep doing? But it actually took us about seven more months to find another mom that was willing to do that. Um, once we found that next mom, we started to kind of create a model um, for basically crowdfunding to help these moms. And uh, it just kind of kept snowballing from there because early on, you know, we were writing like a $1,200 check or, you know, raising $2,000 through a crowdfund, but that wasn't a significant it wasn't a hugely significant uh, change for that mom necessarily. You know, that might have been like one month's rent or, you know, food for a couple of months. But uh, now at this point, the fundraising has gone up a lot. So our focus is doing a fundraiser for whatever the needs are of that mom while she's pregnant and after she's pregnant. So we do a fundraiser generally lasts for about a year of support. And then uh, we do material support after that for up to two years. Yeah. And we found, you know, when we when we uh, 
kind of started this, you know, we did our research and we found that 73% of women that have abortions do it because of financial reasons. And we don't necessarily have the financial capability to kind of bankroll this whole thing. So that's why we brought it to the public and said, Hey, like, let's see if we can fundraise for this Um, and fundraise for women that are literally on the verge of abortion because they can't pay their rent because they can't take care of their bills or they're really in debt. Um, You know, so that's, that's just kind of how it started. And it turns out that people really like contributing to this. um, And, you know, it's, it's easy to show um, supporters that, Hey, if you donate, uh, this money will save a life from abortion. That's awesome. You did mention that 73% of women going in for abortions or who are abortion minded are struggling with financial uh, difficulties. I think that many pro-life people don't really understand the, the intricacies of that. When you've interacted with people on this issue, what exactly is going through their mind and how would could pro-lifers best address somebody who comes across them who is in having that difficulty? Yeah, I think that, so I'll kind of like take the question backwards, but basically for pro-life people, the best thing that we can do to meet this mom where she's at, who is struggling and going to have an abortion in that kind of headspace of abortion is to really put ourselves in her shoes. Um, It's easy as pro-lifers to say, well, hey, you know, just keep the baby or just choose adoption or, you know, here's some diapers. Um, But when we really get into the mindset of this woman who is is terrified, her family has abandoned her, you know, she doesn't know how she's going to get her next meal. She's got four other kids to feed. Um, you know, this is, this is a pretty scary moment for her. And in that kind of the mix of all of that, she feels like abortion is the only option. Um, and, and she's being told that it's the only right, option by everybody being, she knows. Exactly. So. The culture we live in is so like abortion focused and it's a quick solution and you know, all of that stuff. So she's, she's believing that. So as, as pro-lifers, what we really need to do is, is say, okay, like we're going to come alongside of you and we're going to help you out of this situation because we know that, you know, doing this will, will help you to choose life. Do you ever get any uh, significant pushback or people somewhat resistant to being helped or are people very open to being helped? Well, in general, I would say that there is a lot of pushback. There is a lot of resistance, especially early on, um, trying to get people to sign our financial support agreement, which is basically where they say, hey, we're not gonna, I'm not going to have an abortion and I'm going to start accepting your help. Um, so there's a lot of counseling that goes into that. Sometimes it will be, you know, a quicker process, but for the most part, it's going to take days or even weeks um, to convince the mom to cancel. So right. we, it's an ongoing conversation with, with our pregnancy counselors. And it got to the point where, you know, right now we have three full-time pregnancy counselors, but it got to the point where they weren't able to handle it. So now we have seven pregnancy volunteers, pregnancy counselor volunteers that help them to manage all these relationships because yeah. of how many moms are coming in so that they can focus on the ones that actually need to be canceled. Um, so we've kind of set up a process for that and, it, and it's starting to work really well. I think if you can identify financial as the main burden um, and then eliminate that, there's still going to be other burdens, um, but those ones are generally gonna be easier to deal with. Yeah, and the other thing too, you know, the pregnancy counselors, uh, after we cancel an abortion, you know, we're not 
in the clear as far as this mom goes, because there are so many times where she's going back and forth and back and forth. Um, and so our pregnancy counselors are just on call all the time, um, you know, for these moms, because there is sometimes just resistance and I don't think I can do this and, you know, things like that. So really we just have to completely surround them all the time. I just wanted to mention like adoption is brought up so much by mm-hmm. pro-lifers on our page, you know, just in general, people bring it up and adoption is just, it's a great thing. Uh, my little sister is adopted from China. Um, so I, I have a really, I, I love adoption. I think it's a great thing. Um, within our organization, only one mom out of all the moms that we've helped. And I think we're getting close to hundred now that we're actively helping. Um, only one mom has actually chosen adoption. Although a lot of moms consider it and we have that conversation with them, only one has chosen it ultimately. It's super rare. So this is kind of a tangent, but this is just something we see all of the time Um, in the comments. A lot of pro-life people will say, well, she should just have an adoption, you know, do an adoption. Um, And I think I used to say that as well, but I've kind of heard the perspective from the moms themselves. And what they tell us is that, um, you know, when people just say, oh, just give your baby up, it makes them feel like they're incapable mothers, like they're not able or like fit to be mothers. And it really hurts them because they want to keep their baby desperately. They just don't know how, and they just need some help. Um, you know, and so we, we try to get people who just kind of go in with the adoption uh, thing to actually just help us adopt the mom and the baby basically, and help, help her become the best parent that she can be. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a very big part of that. And unfortunately, I mean, I've, I've made that comment too, out of ignorance. And I think there's a tendency to forget that, you know, this person is actually, they're going through a crisis right now. They need to have our help and understanding, not our opinions. Right. Um, someone canceled their abortion. What do you guys do to help them once they have made that step? You you meet their needs in the moment, and then you walk with them through the, the process of uh, birth. I know that you both have uh, gotten to meet many of the children that you've saved, and uh, those are some of the most precious videos I've ever seen. What does it look like when you help the mother once she's given birth? So yeah, it's 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 totally varied just based on the mom. Um, but typically, you know, we don't ever want to just like pull our support. So during her pregnancy, um, we actually kind of wean off our support just a little bit. We kind of um, help her. Like, if, let's say she got a new job, we help her get a new job. You know, we kind of wean off our support little by little. Um, and then she gives birth. Um, maybe she's not able to work for a couple of months. We will definitely support her during that time. Uh, we do a full registry for our moms as well so that they have everything they need when their baby comes. Um, and, you know, we have some moms that needed help six months after as well with, with some bills here and there. Um, we're never just going to abandon them, but we do want to make sure that they are like steady on their feet. Um, but occasionally, you know, we had a couple moms that gave birth back in March. One of them had reached out to me last month saying, Hey, like we just got new jobs and our paychecks haven't come in yet, but we don't have any groceries. Can you help us out? And of course, you know, I, I, we helped them out. Um, but, but ultimately it really varies, but I'd say typically like three to six months is, is like the range. And and most, most of the moms that we support have had a a life altering experience at that point. Um, they've had almost a year to kind of clear their minds and kind of refocus. Um, some of them are going back to school, you know, like Atoria, she's halfway through school. When we met her, she was actually living in her car and Mm -hmm. she didn't have a place to go. She was kicked out of her parents' house. You know, she just, she was completely abandoned and being told to get an abortion. So, 
that was an example where, you know, her life has completely shifted to where now she's getting ready to move into her own apartment, have her independence, you know, with her son. Um, and, and it's just cool to see that. And, and again, she's halfway through school and she's also helping us. She's working, she's working for, uh, let them live. So she's talking to donors on the phone. Um, and we're, we're hiring some of the moms. We're actually bringing them onto our team to talk to donors. So the donors understand that these are real women that we're talking about that are actually struggling and they can tell their stories to the donors. What are some of those common financial concerns that many people have when they come to you? I, I don't know if we talked, touched on that just yet, but I think that's going to be on a lot of people's minds is, you know, what are the most common financial concerns that somebody might have when they're considering abortion? Typically, so a lot of our moms live in like areas that have really high cost of living, California, uh, New York, um, th those that we have a lot of moms in California. So a lot of the times I would say rent, just, you know, talking to our counselors and, and seeing all the bills that are being paid rent is a really big one. Um, in general, it, it's, it's just bills all around. So for example, a mom living in California, you know, she just gets behind on her bills because she can't get enough money, you know, from her job to make ends meet in a place like California. So, you know, her, her phone bill is way past due. I mean, we've paid really past due phone bills before. I think one time we paid like an $800 phone bill um, and it just kept piling up, you know, regular utilities and like, you know, water, electricity, things like that. Car payments are a really big one. Debt. Debt, some debt, it depends on the debt um, that we'll pay. You know, we did just pay off some student loan debt for a mom. She's trying to go back to school. She paid a, a huge chunk of it off earlier, um, but she, she wasn't allowed to start school in January if she didn't have her debt paid. And it was like a couple thousand dollars. So we wanted her to get her degree, finish her degree, because that is going to better her life. Mm -hmm. um, groceries, things like that, just kind of your everyday stuff that people typically struggle with. John Ensor makes a really good point in his book on crisis pregnancy intervention when he says that a lot of people who are considering abortion, they're considering it from a perspective of crisis. They feel like they're almost in a hostage situation. I have to do this in order to get myself out of this. What does it look like when you're negotiating with somebody or talking with somebody? What ways do you approach that sort of conversation? Because I've noticed, at least for myself, that I'm a little bit more comfortable talking with somebody about abortion and you know, just engaging if they disagree with me. But sometimes I find that it can actually be harder to have a conversation with somebody who is abortion minded. Yeah. What does that sort of conversation look like and how do you suggest going about that? It's hard to have those conversations so much at stake, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the general answer is that let them live. Like we definitely approach that with love because the moms that we talk to, their families, they have abandoned them. You know, the father of their child has abandoned them. They, they really just need somebody to say, it's going to be okay. And I'm here for you and I'm going to be with you and I'm, I'm your friend and I love you and we're family and we'll take care of you. Um, and that, you know, that occurs over dozens of hours right. of having, you know, back and forth texts and calls with right. them to where they start to, they do start to see you as the person that cares the most about them. I mean, that's right. a universal kind of trend because ultimately, like, like Emily said, they're abandoned. So if nobody else is spending any time talking to them other than saying get an abortion or their friends don't understand their situation and we're the only ones that are there, we're paying the bills, you know, we're kind of filling the shoes in a way of what the dad should be doing or what her family should be doing to help her. Mm -hmm. um, so they do start to really have a lot of like deep appreciation and respect 
for the fact that you are there. Yeah, they do. And we've had so many moms say, I can't believe complete strangers helped me when my, like, and my family wouldn't even help me. You know, it's mind blowing to them that just like, I think Victoria had once said like these two random people from Indiana, like, you know, (laughs) showed up in California to help me. Well, yeah, like Victoria was one of the more difficult kind of experiences that we had, you know, she's now like one of our best friends, but when we flew out to, we had to like fly out to California the day before her two day abortion procedure because she just was about to go and do it. Um, after all of the conversations that we had had and we felt like she was in the, she was going to choose life. Um, we actually had to t- catch a red eye. Um, we drove to Detroit at like 3am. We stayed up all night, drove to Detroit and then flew out to Sacramento, uh, actually to San Francisco and then drove to Sacramento. So we, we literally, we're there before the abortion appointment. It took us like probably 12 hours to get there. And then we showed up and she was just like crying. She was just, she couldn't believe that we were there and she didn't go to her abortion. So I think that that's, I mean, every, every situation is different. We haven't had a lot of them where we had, we felt like we had to do that. Um, but if we did, then that's always, that's always an option. Oh yeah. I always text our counseling team. Like the other day, I think I texted, like three or four times because there was all these different moms that, you know, were like, we, we knew we could help them and they knew we can help them. They are just kind of going back and forth and they're like, I just really can't do this. And I was like, tell them I will fly to them right now. If they need somebody there with them, like I will be there, you know. This is something that is always on the table. So. And Emily does that a lot. <laughs> I do. I'm at, I'm at the airport a lot more than I'm at my own home. So. Yeah. She, she did a lot of I got a lot of Marriott points. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of fire points too. How then would an abortion-minded woman uh, learn about "Let Them Live"? Do, are they primarily told by pro-life friends or family members, or do you have uh, some way online of getting your, I guess, bringing attention to someone who's considering abortion? Maybe searching out an abortion clinic. I guess the question I'm asking is: Is there is there some method that you use that would attract? Uh, attention to let them live from someone who's just kind of like searching out uh, what to do in case of an abortion, or is it primarily word of mouth from pro-life people that are aware of you that they might know? So it's, it's mostly sidewalk counselors and pregnancy centers. um, And then obviously our donors, because as the the donor community has grown, we're at about 5,000 people that are part of the community at this point. Um, Those people start referring moms to us as well. Mm -hmm. That's been kind of a shocking kind of change as well. We had eight women referred to us just yesterday. (laughs) So that gives you a sense of the volume. Um, And we're probably only running one fundraiser every two weeks. So we're not doing fundraisers for every mom, but just to kind of to talk about that. So we have a few different buckets. You have your bucket, which is your donors. You're trying to find donors. So we do that mostly through social media ads. Um, And then those donors have networks, have communities. Um, and they refer us to their pregnancy centers and they refer us to sidewalk counselors or they refer those people to us. Um, so we're constantly talking to them and, and explaining our resource to them. Yeah. And I had just the other day, I mean, I have friends on Facebook that are from, you know, back in Colorado. And I just had one the other day that was like, Hey, uh, I have a coworker and her daughter is pregnant and, you know, my coworker is wanting her to have an abortion and just like all of this stuff. So you, you have like friends who know somebody, who know somebody mm-hmm. that is pregnant um, you know, and then, and then we do have situations where, 
uh, women reach out to us directly on our social media because our social media is growing a lot. Um, an example mm -hmm. is we did have mm -hmm. a mom, um, you guys may have seen this her story, but Mercy. Yeah. Um, so she was in Minneapolis um, getting an abortion, a two-day abortion. She was 20 weeks um, at Planned Parenthood. And she had, we actually have the ultrasound like with her name on it and everything that says Planned Parenthood. I mean, clear as day, this is like a 20 week baby, you know? Um, so she goes in, gets the ultrasound and then they put her back in the waiting room. She's literally about to walk back and, and, and sit on the table and get that abortion. Um, when she was scrolling through Instagram and found a let them live post. Um, and then she reached out to let them live. Our social media director luckily saw it right away. And one of our counselors, um, reached out to, to Mercy and said, Hey, like, let, let me call you. And she said, I don't know where to go. And Lexi was like, just go into the bathroom. You know, she, she was so scared of taking this call in Planned Parenthood. So like, she's the in the bathroom. The craziest thing is that she was actually on like the table about to have the abortion. Yeah. She left to go to the bathroom. She like said, I have to go to the bathroom. And Lexi called her and then she walked out. And, and so that's the power of social media as well. I mean, if we, you know, weren't on Instagram, that baby may not be here today. Um, so it's, it's the power of social there, media. There's been, a, there's been a few moms like that. We had an yeah. influencer mom that had, I think 70,000 followers who, you know, she found us through Instagram. Mm -hmm. She's just on Instagram all the time. Uh, this yeah. was, and her baby was already born. Um, yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, we, we, we see that that doesn't happen as often though. Not Usually as often, but girls. it does show the importance of, you know, uh, this is kind of, you know, off the topic of abortion, but obviously we both love free speech and this is, this is definitely important to us because we have been blocked on Instagram and oh, stuff yeah. before, like, you know, and, I mean, and we're, it, we're constantly, we're blocked constantly battled that. It's battled the, that, the yeah. shadow banning. Um, yeah. and then of course, unfortunately after, and you guys know what this is like after the election, they've just canceled all social and uh, political ads and said, Hey, you can't run social ads right now. So we're not even able to run social ads right now. It's frustrating because we know lives are on the line and we know lives are saved like through the power of social media. So one common argument that uh, Nathan and I often hear is that pro-life people just don't care about children or, or women. You know, we, we care about, you know, not getting an abortion before birth and then we just, you know, set them loose after, you know, after birth. But a, a lot of times it's just, you know, they, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because one of the reasons that pro-life people can't work, you know, or can't help women who have just given birth is because a lot of times they shut the door. They don't allow us to do that work. That's just kind of, kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. It is an interesting dynamic. And, and we're trying to like completely burst that bubble of, oh, well, you don't care about, you know, after the birth, because that's so fake. Like, that's so not true. We truly do. And we make sure that su that support is there. And mm. um, speaking of pro-choicers, you know, we we actually do attract some pro-choice support because of yeah. the messaging. So when we say, oh, cool. hey, let's give moms another choice, let's give her the choice of life, uh, we get a lot of people that actually are like wow that actually is pretty we have cool. pro choice donors um which is weird i mean weird in in a great way you know i mm -hmm. just never expected that um and we have a lot of hate from pro-life people too which has been surprising well, talking about that i remember seeing i think nathan you had posted about some of the ridiculous comments you get from some pro-life people i don't know what it is but there are segments of the online pro-life community that are incredibly vile. I've dealt with it. Uh, I know, Clinton, you've dealt with it. And then I know you both especially have dealt with it. It really makes me wonder where people's heads are at. I'm going, you know, 
-hmm. you're in this movement to save lives and yet you're attacking people for actually going out and saving lives. This is nonsense. It's sheer insanity. They call it the horseshoe for a reason when it comes to yeah. ideology. The further you go on either side, the closer you get to each other. So the yeah. people that think sometimes that they're the most pro-life people and they're these super warriors are actually abandoning moms. They aren't. They don't care about the mom. They don't even really care about the baby. They just care about that they're right. That's what they care. Yeah. About. You know. So we have to burst that bubble and say. It, you know, hey, okay, maybe you're right in this scenario. Maybe abortion really is like this. We we agree it's a terrible thing, you know, but that doesn't mean that you have to like type that out and say, oh, this woman's a whore and should close yeah. her legs or whatever. You we know did I mean? have that. Uh, it was the craziest thing. Uh, we had a, I saw a comment on one of our posts and uh, this, this person said, you know, she's a whore and a slut. And I like clicked on her profile and it says, uh, uh, Catholic, uh, pro-life, uh, with a Bible verse, so pro-life and all of her, she was like, just bragging about how pro-life she was. And I was like, pro-life people don't say that about women in crisis pregnancies. So we definitely have some, an interesting mix of, uh, I think that that, yeah. yeah, that's the judgment, you know, it's, it's this idea of judging other people, which happens on both sides and. Yeah, it's like way to share the love of Christ there, lady. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I don't think your comment matches your bio, but. Right. I think part of it is people also don't really understand how to address somebody who's in a crisis mode. I've seen it the least for myself is that many times when somebody's in crisis, they don't need to get an opinion. They just need to know that somebody, somebody in the world hasn't abandoned them yet. A few years ago, I helped a young woman after she gave birth. She went through a really tough time and I helped her out and she said she goes you know nobody else was doing that for me nobody else was there for me when i was in crisis and i know john Enser, he makes that point very eloquently in his book he says that you know somebody who's in crisis they just need to know that somebody is there who loves them that's all they need to know sometimes is that hey the world hasn't turned its back on you entirely there is still somebody out there who cares for you and wants to see you do well and wants to see you go through the crisis and come out on top there's not a whole lot that can be said for uh, some of the People get a lot, think they're a lot smarter online than they actually really are. But, you know, let's, let's actually do something. You know, let's see action here. Let's make change. You know, let's not just sit on our computers and type abortion as murder. And some of it is <laughs> righteous anger. You know, they, it's okay to be angry about what's happening. Right. Um, you just have to channel it in a positive way. You know, right. So, we, we talk about, like, we're having a team uh, breakout session this week. We have team members that flew in um, to be with us. And we're talking about, like, the civil rights movement and the energy that basically propelled that, which is an energy of, like, peaceful protest. Right. In this circumstance, I mean, we're dealing with literally canceling an abortion. So we're saving a human being from death, um, which is very intense. There's a lot of emotions involved. I think early on, Sometimes even we would get really mad at these moms, you know, and it would be tough to to bite your tongue, to bite the bullet, you know, because you're listening to them and they're they're saying that they can't do it and they don't even realize what they're talking about, like what they're getting ready to do. So you kind of have to bite your tongue a little bit. And we all kind of feel that, I think, in this work is, you know, but we've gotten so much better at it over time to where now it's just second nature. Um, we don't really get angry or anything like that when we're talking to them because we're just used to the, it's the same kind of logic, you know, it's the same pattern of thinking 
that we're seeing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. This is something that, oh. that, um, that I talk about a lot that we hadn't talked about. And it's kind of, kind of going back to when we started Let Them Live and when we started realizing that we could pay bills for moms. Um, so we, you know, had, you know, said, okay, we're going to find our niche eventually. And I think eventually we did after we paid, you know, paid that mom. And um, so then I think it was the 25th anniversary of Schindler's List. I'm sure you guys have seen Schindler's List. I'd be surprised if you didn't, but. Um, um, okay. True confessions time. I have not actually seen. You gotta watch it. Okay. That's like your homework. Yeah, um, okay. list, I'll kind of give you a little overview for anybody that watches. Um, Oscar Schindler um, was uh, like good friends with the Nazis, like super rich businessman. He had his own factories. Um, and when the, the, you know, world war II was going on and the Holocaust was happening, he saw what was going on, but he just didn't really think anything of it. But then throughout the movie, you can see that he's having a change of heart. He's realizing that, Oh, the Jews are people and what the Nazis are doing is wrong, but he's like, how can I help them? Uh, with my money in kind of a secret way where the Nazis won't really know what I'm doing. So he goes to his Nazi friends and he's like, Hey, I need some workers for my factory. So he pays the Nazis and then he gets Jews in exchange to work at his factory. Now, when they were working at his factory, they were actually making duds, like all the ammunition for the Nazi army, like all of that stuff. Like it was just all, you know, so he keeps paying the Nazis and he gets more and more and more Jews. And uh, he saved 1200 Jews, which is crazy because after we had written that, like after we had given $1,200, it was just so weird that it was like the exact same number. But so at the end of the movie, he saves all of his people, the war is over and he has to get the heck out of there. So his car is ready to go, you know, and, and they are all surrounding him and he's crying. He's like, I, I could have, I could have sold this, this fur coat and I could have gotten two more people, you know, this ring on my finger, that's five more people. Um, and he's just crying, but they're surrounding him saying, look at all the people that you saved. This is generations. Um, and they present him with this ring that they made and inscribed in Hebrew. It says, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. And, and that, when we watched that in the movie theater, it just smacked us like, oh my gosh, okay, definitely this is this is where we're supposed to go with Let Them Live. We're definitely supposed to use financial resources to save lives. We loved it so much. We even got it tattooed. We both have oh. our, our fetus tattoo. Um, but whoever saves one life saves the world entire. And that is like our motto, kind of like our unspoken motto that really drives us every single day. Maybe it um, should be spoken more. Maybe yeah. should be spoken more. No, we, have, we tell everybody we got so that. many people that are becoming little Schindlers in a way too. Yeah. You know, like it kind of started with us. Um, and now we're just kind of bringing those people together and everybody has a different ability. You know, like Emily was talking to a donor yesterday that will probably make a really significant gift, like a five or six figure gift. Um, she's somebody who can probably save multiple lives, but what we kind of inspire people to do is, Hey, just try and save one life, you know? And we have an idea of like how much that costs, like, which is an amazing thing to be able to say, hey, it's going to cost, you know, about $25,000 to save a life from abortion. So if you write a check for $25,000, you know, shameless plug, you're going to save a life. You know, it, it pretty much, that's the math. That's what we've seen is that, yeah. that's the average of, of what it's costing us. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's a crazy like new model. I mean, it's something that has never been done before, obviously. And 
and I think it's awesome. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but, um, <laughs> you know, I see it, the uh, financial support affects these moms so greatly. And I, they have texted me and called me just with tears, like saying they cannot believe that people have, have given to them and they're so thankful. So to see the donations play out that way and then to see a baby come out of it is pretty crazy. Like it doesn't get much better than that. Like, Hey, if you donate, we're going to, we're going to show you a baby as well. And then there is a, a reward right. for the for the donor too, because they get to actually see a human being that would have been dead and would not have lived without their support. I mean, that's intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to uh, I've been to a number of uh, pregnancy resource centers throughout throughout the country because uh, you know I, I I travel around to to speak and give talks and things like that. And I whenever I whenever I go to give a presentation somewhere, I always like to see if I can work it out to visit a, a local pregnancy care center. Uh, so I, I've actually attended some of their uh, fundraising dinners also. So I've kind of seen firsthand the kind of good they can do. But Let Them Live is actually the first uh, sort of online uh, pregnancy resource center that, I, that I've heard about. So yeah, we know. love partnering with, I'm actually giving a presentation tomorrow to one of our local pregnancy resource centers because, you know, I kind of wrote down in my notebook that we're not a replacement for them. We're just like supplement, you know, we're like a tool, a toolbox, we're a resource. Um, and we can all kind of partner together, which is awesome. And, and bring all of our resources together to surround, you know, all of these moms that need our help. I think one important distinguishing factor between us is that they're not necessarily providing financial support at that level that we're going to. Um, there's probably a few unique examples, but most of the time when you get to that point where you've determined the mom is having the abortion and it's because of financial reasons, um, they're not necessarily able to resolve that. Um, you know, cause sometimes we're talking about, you know, thousands, most of the times you're talking, you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And so imagine a big red button sitting on the pregnancy center director's desk. They're like, okay, there's no other option. And they hit that button and then let them live, sends in the angels. And we bring, you know, a bunch of money and a bunch of resources and we crowdfund from like 700 people for that mom. That's just not something that they're focused on doing. They're right. doing great work. I, I mean, they're amazing. We love the pregnancy yeah. centers. I mean, it's just, yeah, we, we all have different, doing. we all have different, you know, uh, places in the pro-life movement. And I think it's important for us and for everybody, every organization to be very specific with their mission. Um, because we found that when we're really specific to our mission, uh, we're more effective. And so pregnancy centers are specific to their mission and then we can come alongside them. And exactly. we're all just focused on the little piece that we have to be focused on to make the pro-life movement it's work. Just, it's just beautiful, mm -hmm. you know? Mom's walking into Planned Parenthood sidewalk counselor stops and talks to her and says, Hey, have you gotten the free ultrasound yet? She goes over to the pregnancy center. She gets the ultrasound, you know, she gets the pregnancy test and then they're talking to her, having a conversation. They do everything in their power to, to convince her not to have an abortion. Hit the red button. We fly in, we do everything we need to do, help her as much as we can if we need to. Right. And then that's how it all works. It's like a, it's a marriage between a bunch of different, organizations and a bunch of different people. Yeah. I think we've already covered this, but I guess we'll finish this off with how can people best get in touch with you? I mean, I know you're very prominent on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, are there any other ways for people to get in touch with you? Yeah. You can, you could call, call us directly, you know, or text us. Like my phone number is 260-498-3415. 
we're pretty open and ready to just talk to anybody. Yeah. And our, our email, like a good email is info at let them live.org. And obviously social media, you know, you can send us a message. Um, that's, you know, one of the easiest ways to get in touch with us. Um, and yeah. And our website too, let them live.org. So you can check it out there. So I put the uh, website link to let them live in the, uh, well, I will put them in the show notes for the audio podcast, but I've also put them in the information section uh, here under the YouTube video. So yeah, definitely a, a very worthy organization to get to know and to financially support. Uh, Emily and Ethan, thank you again for coming on and letting us interview you. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, yeah, thanks for, for having, having us. us. <laughs> yeah. If you've appreciated this discussion, you felt found it beneficial, please share uh, share it around social media, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you frequent. Uh, you can find us also our web uh, web pages there on Facebook and Twitter. We've also joined uh, MeWe, and I think we're getting a parlor uh, set up as well. Uh, unfortunately, Facebook doesn't always show all of our uh, all of our posts to everyone, so we started one on MeWe, and MeWe does share uh, all of our all of our posts to all of our all of the people who have liked our and followed our pages. So, uh, if you want to make sure you get all the information for the Pro Life Thinking podcast, be sure and, and like us there on on MeWe as well as Facebook, um, and of course you can follow uh, Let Them Live as well. Yeah, so uh, also you can find us on iTunes and BlogTalkRadio.com slash Pro Life Thinking. You can feel free to rate and review us there, especially to help counteract the uh, pro choice vote bombers that we've been. <laughs> we've been receiving and we have received some some good good ratings from listeners as well we really appreciate that uh once again you can help financially support the podcast uh by finding us on our patreon page which is also in the youtube information section will be on our our page as well you can find us on patreon and you can also donate through life training institute directly to have your donations be tax deductible and of course it uh let them live uh, again as a very worthy organization so it you know please consider donating to them financially as well uh, coming up next week, we're actually bringing on uh, a mutual friend of, of Nathan and, and mine. I actually met her through Nathan. We're bringing on Rebecca Dyer, who is actually a, a colleague of mine uh, in Justice for All. We're going to talk with her about how to have good conversations with pro-choice people without uh, yelling, screaming, calling each other names, and tearing your hair out. So that'll be a good discussion as well. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.